Welcome to Significant Lovers, a true love podcast, mm-hmm. where we break down <laughs> each week a new famous couple in mm-hmm. pop culture or in history, mm-hmm. and just talk about their relationship from the beginning to the end, mm-hmm. how they met, how they fell apart, the night they met. <laughs> And I'm Mel. <laughs> I'm Kel. And we're two cousins. First cousins. Mm-hmm. And we're happy to have you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I was just laughing about how when we first started the podcast, we were nervous. Like, oh, okay, you don't want people to think that we're the significant lovers. <laughs> you can't be like, we're significant lovers. Yeah, we're the lovers. <laughs> no, we're, t- <laughs> we're talking about lovers. No. <laughs> I was gonna keep joking about it, but you guys should just stop. <laughs> and yeah, today's episode is about oh I don't know what accent that was. I like it, I like it. About Cupid. Some country folks from back in the sixties and seventies. Johnny and June. <laughs> Johnny Cash and June Carter. Mm-hmm. I am so excited. I This has been on the list in my mind since the beginning. This is an iconic couple. They are really known in history as being like this great love story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even like in songs nowadays. Do you think that's That too might loud? be in the audio. Hey, Sean. Yeah? You mind just putting in headphones? Do you mind using headphones? <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sounds a lot better. <laughs> Mel is with her twin brother, my cousin. I do. Sean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking a thin line because... <laughs> <laughs> what? He was in love living together. Oh. I love it, though. Oh. Sean, if you're listening, I love living together. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, since I last recorded, I now have a job. Yeah, Mel got a job. Mm-hmm. So thank you everybody for your prayers and wishes. <laughs> I know that was really short lived, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think the episode came out yet where you're saying that you need you don't have a job. And... I don't think so. Yeah, I think that was the Johnny Winona one. The week that this episode comes out, it will be my first week on the job. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. So it's funny how life can just like change. Week. When I start my job, yeah, I start it not next week but the week after, oh, okay. and I have two weeks off wow. to just do nothing. I'm so jealous. It's really kind of the time of my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obviously nervous to start a new job. It's scary when you start a new job. Yeah, when you don't really know it's what to scary. do. Scary. Mm-hmm. But I just bought a new. A lot of new clothes and oh really yeah because i don't have like work clothes because mm. i'm gonna go into an office and it'll be exciting work 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 <laughs> anyways anyways this is my job 
I just wish. kidding. It's not my only job. <laughs> I do have a day job. Mm-hmm. Hey guys. <laughs> I doubt they're listening. Yeah, maybe not. People are less fascinated with this one than the Twilight one. I know. I feel like people even still think I do the Twilight I know. one. Because I think the Twilight, because guys, we used to host another bite of Twilight. Um, I think that was just a easier thing to make fun of me with or tease me with mm. or, you know yeah <laughs> this one is like a little more normal so <laughs> yeah I know when I left my last job I feel like a couple of people made comments like oh like if I you know whenever I do something with vampires I think of you or something I don't know like what that means <laughs> yeah yeah, but yeah yeah this one it's just it's more yeah more normal mm-hmm. I guess <laughs> <laughs> it's more socially acceptable <laughs> yeah yeah um, but the last one, another bite of Twilight. People are still listening to it. Yeah, and that means a, a whole lot. Yeah, so thank you guys. We're gonna have to do some Twilighty stuff here pretty we soon. Will. And if you guys haven't listened to it, actually, our Zoe Deschanel and Ben Gibbard episode randomly had a lot of Twilight references. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I it mean, came up a lot. He was on one of the soundtracks. Yeah, and he's from Washington. Why am I drawing a blank on which one? I don't know why you are. That's crazy, Mel. <gasps> which one is he on oh my god no a they're cl- on the new clip. moon soundtrack oh meet me on the equinox meet me on the equinox that's it's the right the opening track meet me on, on the equinox <laughs> meet me halfway anyways we're talking about a different musician today, today. two different yes. musicians yeah so like we said johnny cash and june carter cash mm-hmm. and yeah they had a very long marriage and just went down in history i think as soulmates but were they really soulmates was their marriage as i think so i i don't know (laughs) we'll get into it so i mean they were committed to each other for years decades and that's so rare when it comes to famous couples but their marriage like wasn't this amazing love story which is like disappointing i feel like that's one thing that like i hate uncovering as mm-hmm. I do research, like, but it was still a good love story. They stayed together, though, right? Yeah, they did. And so, yeah, I feel like this episode, like, the questions that I have are, like, really, you know, like, what does it mean to be, like, a soulmate? Like, mm-hmm. it's obviously not without problems, but, like, at what point does it cross a line, I guess? And, like, at what mm-hmm. point can someone not be, like, forgiven or... Don't you think when they were older, though, I mean, and I don't know, I have to hear the whole story, but I'm guessing in private that it was very nice. It was. They did really deeply love each other. I I guess I have to hear, because Mel Mel did all the research, and she's going to tell the story, guys. Yeah. So I'm just listening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll get into it. So, yeah, my three words I would use to describe this couple would be... Uh, unhealthy is the first one but then unwavering Mm. and forgiving would be my three words nice um yeah so june carter she was born june 23rd 1929 in macy's spring virginia and she was born to a really well-known musical family the carter family um her mom Mabley and Ezra Carter were country music singers and they had a band with uh Mabel's cousin 
so Mabel is June's mom. Her mm-hmm. cousin, her Mabel's cousin Sarah, was mm-hmm. married to Ezra, June's dad's brother. So it's like two cousins married two brothers, basically. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like related on both sides. And um, so her That's aunt and funny. uncle, yeah. So her aunt and uncle were A.P. Carter and Sarah Carter. And they formed this band ca- called the Carter Family with Mabel and Ezra. And they were just all country music singers. And they were really known for popularizing what's called like Appalachian country mm. music. Um, they're from like the mountains yeah. in Virginia. Um, actually, I think they were called the Carter Group, maybe. And when Mabel and her sister, so she's two sisters, an older sister, Helen, and a younger sister, Anita, when they were coming of age, they also went on tour with their family and they just all sang like everywhere. Like they were really well known, like in country music. Mm. So she lived her life like on the road a lot. And her cousins. Yeah, yeah, June. And her cousins also were in the band and they all just recorded and toured together. Wow. Yeah, I mean, in Walk the Line, which Mm -hmm. is all I really know. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It seemed like. It, at least in the movie that Johnny listened to them when he was little. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so he knew, like, of her family. Wow. And June, and she said this in the movie, too, like, you know, you had just mentioned it earlier. She wasn't the best singer in the group, so she was really known for her personality more so, and so, like, she would do these, like, little bits on stage. Like, she had a character called Aunt Polly that she did <laughs> on stage, and she was really just, like, a clown, kind of, <laughs> um, which is cute. <laughs> Um, and later, when she was a teenager, June and her mom and her sisters formed a quartet called the Carter Sisters after her aunt and uncle, A.P. and Sarah, got divorced. Oh, jeez. Um, and a little fun fact, she's distantly, distantly cousins with Jimmy Carter. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. The president. Didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Same last name. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, when they say distant, it's like, how distant? I know. But it must be kind of close if same last name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. I guess he acknowledged it once, <laughs> like in a speech. Wow. Um, but okay, the, I'm going to go back to June. But okay, okay. So then we have Johnny Cash. He was born in Kingsland, uh, Arkansas on February 26, 1932 as J.R. Cash. Just J.R.? Mm-hmm. Um, because his mom wanted to name him John and his dad wanted to name him Ray and they couldn't just decide so they compromised and just did J.R. <laughs> um, so those are just his, his name, J.R. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom was named Carrie. I don't know what she really did. I think they all just were farmers. His dad was named Ray. Um, he was a farmer and a sharecropper and a World War One veteran. And I feel like in the movie, Walk the Line, they made it seem like his dad was, like, really hard on him. Yeah. I don't know if that's, like, actually how he was, though. Really? Why? He might have been. I just didn't see anything to, like, indicate that. I mean, he might have been, like, especially Mm. at the time period. But later on, when he has a family with June, his mom and dad, like, live across the street. Like, it doesn't seem like they're really, like, Mm. that. but maybe they, you know, worked on their relationship Mm. and stuff. Maybe. Man, World War One vet. We just watched All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, really puts things into perspective. That's so true. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, he probably was kind of grumpy because that is traumatizing. Yeah, he's like these things, spoiled kids. Yeah, well, they really weren't spoiled though. No, I know, but yeah. probably not. But that's just how parents are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I guess compared to like being in the trenches. 
yeah in germany <laughs> it doesn't seem that bad but so when john or when jr was three years old the cash family moved to dicey's i don't know how to spell it dicey's arkansas um as part of the new deal different um families poor families had the chance to work on land that they would later own mm. and so his family was really poor he was also the middle child of seven kids he had three sisters and three brothers and they worked on this field just singing gospel music together and his family um was really close-knit um and he learned to play guitar from his mom who was into music mm-hmm. and then as depicted in the movie when jr worked on the or when he was 12 years old his older brother jack was nearly cut in half by a table saw at work mm-hmm. and then he died a week later from his injuries which affected him a lot so sad mm-hmm. he was really close with his brother jack hmm. in the movie they made it seem like he died like right away but it, he died like a week later and also mm-hmm. in the movie the dad says to jr johnny like where, where were you i don't think that's that happened but i guess like apparently johnny had like a bad ominous feeling about the day when he woke up that morning Hmm. and so did his mom and so they both had a lot of guilt about that Hmm. that's so sad Mm -hmm. how Um, do you know he didn't say where were you i mean he might have i just don't know (laughs) it they like him and june like were a little bit involved in the movie in the casting Mm. the very beginning but like the movie was filmed like after they had died so Mm. i don't know where did they like get the story from do you know it's actually mm. something i probably should know that's okay <laughs> um but yeah so in high school his voice dropped and he started singing on the local radio station and he was inspired by traditional gospel music and irish music actually Ooh. um and actually during his senior year of high school his school took a trip to the grand Ole opry where he first saw june perform on stage with her family wow mm-hmm. <gasps> that's crazy mm-hmm he does have a very deep voice yeah i love it my head (laughs) and cry then in 1950 at age 18 he enlisted in the air force and he wasn't allowed to register using his initials so that's where Mm. he started going by john r cash Mm. Uh, so he changed his name and while in training camp in san antonio texas he met his first wife vivian liberto um, at a rolling skate. Oh, that's Rank. cute. Yeah, really cute. And they dated for three weeks before he was deployed to West Germany. And then for three years, they just wrote thousands of letters back and forth to each other. Wow. And uh, so she really waited around for him. She did. Mm-hmm. She did. That's nice. That's good. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that during All Quiet on the Western Front. I was yeah. going back to that, but I was like, man, because I mean, they went through other hell yeah and uh one of the guys was married and i was just thinking to myself like imagine if she like moved on while he was gone like that would be so terrible you know really would be but also it's like like, that happened i know it did happen but also it's like i feel like the chances that he might come back are kind of slim after watching that movie it's like and then he didn't yeah yeah spoiler so sad Mm. that movie really like put a lot into perspective it did very sad movie Anyway. Anyways, so yeah, John, <laughs> he worked as a Morse code operator intercepting Soviet Union or Soviet Union army transmissions. Cool. And while overseas, he also 
formed his first band called the Landsberg Barbarians with other soldiers. Mm. And in 1954, after four years in the Air Force, he was honorably discharged. And a month later, he and Vivian got married. And they moved to Memphis, Tennessee together, where John sold appliances and studied to be a radio announcer. And Johnny (laughs) worked up the courage one day to then audition for The Sun, which is a recording studio, where he eventually went over the producer by singing in his rockabilly style, Mm. and he received a record deal. Wow. And I really wanted to watch, I didn't end up doing it, this documentary that is about his first wife, because in my research, and after watching the movie walk the line Mm -hmm. it sounds like her kids who she has with johnny um they didn't really like the way she was depicted Mm. in the movie like she was like nagging all the time mm -hmm, yeah Yeah. and i don't it's like we'll get more into like their marriage yeah as the story progresses but i do think like they did really paint her in a bad light (laughs) and i i know here's this woman who waited around for three years for this guy i know true and then like of course she's gonna be nagging him because he's like (laughs) cheating on her (laughs) i know they did also make her seem really not impressed with his music too mm-hmm. which she's like my dad has a job for you i, I feel like they always do that in movies like the wife's dad has a job lined up I and know. he refuses to take it i know i don't yeah. think that really happened either yeah. they i mean when i was watching walk the line i did know i did think he was being really bad and i was upset with johnny but i also was like oh my god like he should just leave her. Yeah, well, she was yeah. really annoying. And that yeah. actress, what's her name? I don't remember. She's the actress who's like... Who she's was, a, actually? She's that woman who's in... What's that show that Caitlin watches? Oh, Once Upon a Once Time. Upon Time. Oh, Jennifer Goodwin? Yeah, yeah, sometimes she can be kind of annoying, to be honest. <laughs> and so, like, I feel like that was very deliberate casting. Yeah, I'm sure that was not fair. No. I bet, like, she was pleasant sometimes. Probably, yeah. And his wife really was treated very harshly by the press because um, she actually, a lot of people thought that she was black um, at the time period. She Mm. was very Italian, Mm. but um, she just had... Why did they cast Jennifer Goodwin? I don't know. I was surprised (laughs) by that, too. And I feel like like it's... like the palest person. I know, I know. (laughs) I know. That surprised me. I mean, she, she did claim she was white and very italian but like to this day i feel like people still speculate that she might have actually been black and Mm. so like the kkk was like really on her case and stuff like people were like really racist towards her and like um i don't know if she actually was i think she might have actually just been italian but Mm -hmm. people really like sent a lot of like vitriol her way that sucks Mm -hmm. and like she wasn't like she was just a normal person like i feel like he had an easier time with june probably because she was like broadened like she'd always been a part of like fame in a way yeah 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 but poor vivian like i know hopefully she got a good amount of money and was able to i don't know somehow enjoy i really don't know the rest of her life that sucks. I what we were saying the other day in the Johnny Depp episode because he had an ex-wife who's forgotten to history. Yeah, kinda. yeah. That would suck. I you know, know. Everyone's talking about Johnny Cash or Johnny Depp, and it's like, hey, I was married to him. I know. Nobody remembers for three me. years. They wrote yeah. letters back and forth. Like that's a big deal. I know. She really waited for him. 
tragic i know but so june had some she had some ex-spouses as well oh yeah backtracking a little bit in 1952 at age 23 she married her first husband another country singer named carl smith who was one of the actually most successful singers during that time period Mm. in the 1950s i've never heard his name before but (laughs) i'm sure some people have Mm -hmm. no he was like a big deal at the time yeah and in 1955 June gave birth to their baby, Rebecca Carlene Smith, who actually just goes by Carlene Carter, a few Cute. months after Carl had actually broken up with her. So, like, really didn't... That's horrible. Yeah, it didn't last long. I guess, apparently, he just wanted her to be a stay-at-home mom, and mm. June, obviously, like, wasn't going to do that. Like, mm. she was a singer and yeah. lived on the road a lot, so... After their marriage fell apart, she was really devastated, and she moved to New York City with baby Carlene to attend acting school. Carlene. Mm-hmm. Carlene. And then around <laughs> this time, Johnny also began starting a family with Vivian. Their second, their first daughter, Roseanne, was born in 1955, followed by their second daughter, Kathy, a year later. And Johnny was also growing in popularity in music. And he had his number one hit, Walk the Line, which he actually wrote for Vivian. I didn't realize that. I thought that was like a love song between him and June before. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the ends out for the tie that binds. Because you're mine, I walk the line. But he wrote it for Vivian because she was really scared that as he became more and more famous, all these women were like throwing themselves at him, that he would yeah. cheat on her. So he walked, he wrote that song to appease her worries. Wow. And tell her that he was faithful, even though he was not. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the movie made it seem like he wrote it for June. No, he didn't. So then in 1956, or yeah, 1956, June and Johnny first actually met like face-to-face backstage at the Grand Old Opry. And even though he was married at the time, he apparently said to her, that he would marry her someday. Oh my god. I don't god. know why that always happens. Yeah. I think that's really weird actually in real life. <laughs> if someone just said to you, like out of the, someone who's in a relationship, Yeah. I'm gonna marry you someday. Like that would be weird. Actually someone did say that to me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Who? Did I, I didn't tell you about that. I don't know. Was it, it recently? It's about like a year ago. Someone who um I went to college with messaged me and said that no i don't know that what (laughs) that's crazy yeah it's very bold yeah that's what i said (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of a lot like for someone to say Mm -hmm. and but apparently june wasn't that phased and she just said good i can't wait (laughs) and in later years june talks about the first time they met on the johnny carson show and i'll play a little clip for you guys to hear Ooh. She's really long-winded in her stories, though. 
But I was like John. I was in the meantime working with Elvis Presley now and then, and right. Elvis kept dragging me into these little places uh, to uh, listen uh, to. Uh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no Explain you, this to your husband. No, 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 you, you all have got it all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean you know how they had little jukeboxes yeah. everywhere. You know, well he kept dragging me into these places and playing the jukebox, and he kept playing a song called "Cry, Cry, Cry." Well, who is, who is that? And he said, that's Johnny Cash. What? So he kept, uh, we kept working these tours, and I kept listening to this man, Johnny Cash. And I remember one night I had come home to the Grand Ole Opry to work. Go, I'm going to go on the stage, and this tall, kind of uh, slim guy walks up to me with this nice little grin, and he said, uh, oh, I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> and so you said, my God, I've met the man. And I met, I met him then, but you see, life changes a lot. At that time, I was really married to somebody else, and he was too, only we were, I mean, I was separated, only wow. I was living in New York, only he wasn't separated, and then it was a mess. I know those problems. <laughs> We got that all wrong, too, huh? Wrong, see? I didn't see him again for a long time. I just saw him kind of passing through. I don't know why we didn't work together. It was probably a lucky thing. Yeah. But we didn't. He kept going his way, and I kept going my way. And I'd work show dates over here, and Johnny Cash would work show dates over here, but I always thought he was kind of nice, you know? Yeah. She's so cute. I love her voice. Isn't she? Oh I can't believe she was just hanging out with Elvis. Yeah. And That's so, crazy. Yeah, she did a lot of touring with Elvis. Wow. And in his book, uh, her son with Johnny Cash, uh, John Carter Cash, theorizes that June actually had an affair with Elvis. No way. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know for sure, but he's like, I would believe it that if they did. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, so like Elvis really hung out with both of them. So he was like a common thread wow. for them. So then in 1957, June married her second husband, uh, Edwin Rip Nix, who was a police officer, a race car driver, and a former football player. So really not in the country wow. music scene at all. What a renaissance man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, in the movie, Walk the Line, like John's like, you got married? Like, he's oh, so yeah, mad. Yeah, yeah. Um, then the next year, in 1958, they had a daughter, Rosanna Lee, who just goes by Rosie. And during this time, June would often go on tour with Johnny Cash, and um, the girls would stay home with Rip. Like, uh, Rip. June's kids, yeah. <laughs> Um, and even though they were both married, Johnny and June both, I feel like they openly just had feelings for each other. Mm. Like, I think they were just, like, very attracted to each other, like, instantly. Mm. There was no hiding it. Yeah, it was really palpable. <laughs> just a lot of chemistry, and um, they had a lot of chemistry, like, on stage, too. Like, fans mm-hmm. loved when they performed together. Um there's this journalist who wrote this book called Johnny Cash, The Life, which is a biography. Oh, Robert Hilburn. And he said that... Robert Hilburn. They would frequently fight and yell at each other, like, you get divorced. No, you get divorced. <laughs> like, they, like... They were really open. Oh, my that God. That they really liked each other. Oh. But there were problems, obviously, in that they were both married. Yeah. And then June later told Rolling Stone in 2000, I never talked much about how I fell in love with John. It was not a convenient time for me to fall in love with him, and I wasn't, and it wasn't a con- convenient time for him to fall in love with me. I was frightened of his way of life. I thought, I can't love, fall in love with this man, 
but it's just like a ring of fire. So it's believed <laughs> that June then wrote the song Ring of Fire about their relationship. Mm. But it's really debated if that's true because she actually originally gave the song to her sister Anita, but mm. it wasn't really a big hit. So then Johnny had popularized it when he sang it. Mm. So people are like, When did she do that? Why did she do no, it? No, when did she give it to her sister? Um, in the 1950s, like the mid 1950s. Mm. But I, she had known Johnny, but like it's like. So it doesn't match the timeline, are you saying? No, it does. But oh. also another thing is Johnny's first wife, Vivian, had told reporters that he said that he actually wrote the song Ring of Fire <laughs> and that just he decided to give June credit because he wanted to help her out financially. What? I don't think that's true, though, because then why What's would the she truth? give it to her sister? What's but the truth? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't know if it was like necessarily really written mm-hmm. about her relationship with Johnny but like once he sang it like I feel like it became the song that like represented their relationship mm-hmm. love is a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire And then in 1959, Vivian, Johnny's wife, gave birth to their third daughter named Cindy so their family's growing Mm. despite him spending more and more time with June man and then in 1961 June became a regular on the Johnny Cash show which was this variety show that Johnny had hosted throughout the actually no sorry that comes up later so okay June became a regular on the Johnny Cash show which I think was a tour and the two of them were very popular together on stage as I said but Mm. John had really bad substance abuse issues he was really becoming more well known for his drug addiction and reputation to be a live wire which is obviously depicted in the film uh however he proposed to pay her a monthly salary to tour that included a clause that if she couldn't make a show she would still get paid and as a single mom of two that was really appealing for her so she decided to go on tour with him Mm. and also that year vivian gave birth to her fourth daughter with johnny a daughter named tara um however things were really bad for him and vivian she I was bet. yeah she was really catching on to his affair with june and she found receipts <laughs> that john had you know bought june very expensive gifts <gasps> and um some of his bandmates were tipping her off as well so it was becoming really obvious aye, aye, aye. and his daughter cindy with uh vivian gave an interview once and she said Once June came along, she relentlessly, well, she wanted dad, and she was going to get him, and she did. She made herself very available to where where he pursued her back. Hi. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe we should just wait. 
All right, yeah. Intermission. <laughs> wow. Cheating. To a burning ring of fire. Is this the first relationship we have that starts from an affair? I th- uh, no, I think John Lennon and Yoko started mm. that way too. You're right, actually. Yeah, that was reminding me of us. Mm-hmm. I'm so surprised weird. there's not a movie. Is there a movie about their love story? I don't think so. Hmm. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. She's still alive, so maybe she just oh, didn't, true. hasn't approved that or something. Maybe when she dies. Hmm. That's the crazy thing about Walk the Line, the movie, is that came out like... 2005 like they both died in 2003 mm-hmm. so it's like right away yeah like they <laughs> were like people were thinking about them and then this movie came out like it was like the perfect time i thought joaquin phoenix did a very good job yeah he was really good in it mm-hmm. he didn't win the oscar right i don't think so i don't think he won till joker right yeah oh yeah yeah was he nominated probably because you're mine, and I walk the line. Let me see. I'm on Wikipedia. I fell into a burning, burning ring of fire. fire. The flames got higher. Alright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He only won for Joker. Oh, Joker, not the Joker. I always make that mistake. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah, his drug use was really bad. Oh, no. He was really... What drugs, Mel? Uh, amphetamines, mainly. Mm. I think later he did, like, opioids and narcotics as well. Just, like, pills. and, like, alcohol. Yeah, pills, yeah. Pills, pills, pills. Pills, pills, pills. <laughs> um, in 1965, he was arrested crossing the Mexican border with over 1,000 tablets of amphetamines. <laughs> And this is really bad. In 1965, he accidentally set fire to a campsite in Los Padres National Forest, which led to thousands of acres of forest burning down, and he killed many of the endangered condor birds in the area. And he was the first person to be sued by the U.S. government for starting a fire. Oh, my God. He had to pay, like, thousands of dollars for that. And, like, he said it was an accident, but I think he was, like, drunk or something. Mm -hmm. So, really bad. He was. He didn't mean to. Yeah, that is really bad. I think like and what I got from the movie again, like it's just a movie, but like he, it seems like he just had really bad impulse control, especially mm. when oh, it yeah. came to like when he was drunk. Like he just would smash things. Yeah, and like that like led to him cheating on his wife too. Like he just had no inhibitions. Damn, to hold him back from whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, he, I mean, I know it's just a movie, but when he, like, ripped the sink off the wall. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, my God. It kind of like, reminds me of Johnny Depp we just covered last yeah, week. Yeah, I know. He was also known for trashing hotel rooms, I guess. Yeah. Oh, my God. Johnny's. I know. Get it together. Calm down. <laughs> anyway. 
Yeah, so his wife Vivian couldn't take it anymore. So she filed for divorce in 1966 from Johnny, and they finalized their divorce in 1967. She was divorced, too. She had to. She yeah. had no choice. And I think she was sad about it. I don't yeah. think she wanted to. I think she really, really yeah. loved him. Mm. But she felt abandoned by him in many ways. And he wasn't there for her, wasn't there for the kids. Mm -hmm. He was really just preoccupied with June. Like, he was really obsessed with June. Mm -hmm. um, and around that same time, June got divorced from her husband, Rip. And apparently she was really ashamed to be divorced twice. Like, everybody was judging her. She, mm. And I have to say, like, they're both very Christian. Like, they're both, like, yeah. very religious. That must have been really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would feel really ashamed myself, to be honest. Yeah. And back then, I know. two kids with two different yeah. guys, two divorces. And she probably did believe it was wrong. So she's like, what mm -hmm. the fuck? Why can't I get this together? Yeah. But she just like, I feel like her feelings for John, Johnny were also really strong. Mm-hmm. But she was really reluctant to, like, really be in a committed relationship with him because of his drug problems. Um, but he had... That's good. Yeah. I mean, that seems pretty healthy on her part. Yeah. She, like, at least be reluctant. Well, because she had two kids, too. So mm -hmm. she was like, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to get my kids, like, messed up into this and everything. So, yeah, she was pretty horrified by all that. But So John moved to an apartment close to her in order to pursue their relationship further. Like... He, once they both were single, like, he just, like, wanted to be together. Yeah. And um, in his autobiography, he writes about that time saying, I was canceling shows and recording dates, and when I did manage to show up, I couldn't sing because my throat was too dried out from the pills. I was in and out of jail, mm. hospital, and car wrecks. I was a walking vision of death, and that's exactly how I felt. Damn. Yeah. Not a great time. And in 1967, Johnny was, I guess, suicidal, and he entered into this cave on the Tennessee River called Nickajack Cave, where he intended to end his life, and he crawled for three what? hours until his flashlight went out. This is, like, a well-known story with oh him. Oh, my gosh. And apparently in that cave, Johnny literally had a resurgence of faith, and mm. he said... There in Nickajack Cave, I became conscious of a very clear, simple idea. I was not in charge of my destiny. I was not in charge of my own death. I was going to die at God's time, not mine. I hadn't prayed over my decision to seek death in the cave, but that hadn't stopped God from intervening. And this experience made him develop a closer relationship with God, which brought him closer to June, who was very Christian. And so then wow. they started going to church together, and he got sober, and they, like, really fell in love. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although that same journalist that I mentioned before, Robert Hilborn, he kind of undermined this story in his biography by saying that at that time, for whatever reason, that cave, like, would have been flooded. I don't know how he knows that. What? I don't I don't how think he's flooded. lying. Yeah, like maybe he was crawling in a puddle. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I want to believe Johnny that Me that too. really happened. Yeah, and why does he really have to crawl for 3 hours for it to be meaningful? Exactly, yeah. You know? I think it was a huge <laughs> caves are scary. Yeah. Oh my gosh, no. I'm never going <laughs> in a cave. 
Um, on a lighter note, Johnny and June's duet, the song Jackson, like, we're going to Jackson. That song. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, that, that year it um, won the Grammy Award for Best Country Performance. Mm-hmm. When I went to Jackson, Wyoming with Young, I know it's not the right Jackson, but I kept playing that song and I couldn't stop singing it. Yeah, it's really catchy. We're going to Jackson. <laughs> I'm gonna mess around Yeah, I'm going to Jackson Look out, Jackson Town We'll go on down to Jackson Go ahead and wreck your hell Go play your hand You picked up the man Make a big fool of yourself Yeah, go to Jackson Go call I'm gonna snowball, Jackson. But wait, were they married by that time? Or no? no, they okay, weren't. Okay. But then on February 22nd, <laughs> my friend Hannah's birthday, oh. 1968, Johnny proposed on stage to June. And she also talked about this on the Johnny Carson show. So I'll share a clip of Let's that. hear it. Anyway, after all these trials and tribulations, he finally well, said, let's he, get married. Jo- Johnny Cash straightened himself up, really, and, uh, and uh, he proposed to me on the stage in front of about 7,000 people in London, Ontario, Canada. Really? Yes. That's really romantic. It was. A lot of witnesses. A lot of witnesses. That's hard to back out of when Sca- you've done... scared me to death. Yeah. I kept saying, shut up. <laughs> and my mother was there, my sisters and the Statler brothers, and they kept saying, laughing at me, and I couldn't say anything. I didn't no. know what to say. And he just stood there and looked at me and grinned. Yeah. Uh, until I said something. And you said yes. I said yes. Yeah, good, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's, uh... <laughs> oh. Cute to see Johnny smile. I don't know why. I know. <laughs> It's so funny, like, when you watch the movie Walk the Line, too, yeah. like, it's so serious when he, like, proposes yeah. to her. Um, he was, like, he was really in love with her. Like, I feel like that's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got married just three days later. Like, they were going to wait until the end of the school year so that they wouldn't <laughs> have to yank her kids out of school. Um, but the, her daughters were really excited about it and they were like, hmm. they made all these plans. Like they got oh, married in cute. Kentucky, I think. And yeah, so just three days later, they got married on wow. March 1st, 1968. He was 36. She was 39. It got, it got, yeah. But like, I, I kind of <laughs> love that. Like, especially they went down history of this like amazing love story. Like they yeah. were in their late thirties. No, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Like mm-hmm. people feel like. I'm, you know, I'm turning 30. I haven't met my soulmate. Like, they, yeah. like, they were almost 40, and that's when they got together. That's awesome. Married for years. Like, yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, despite it being her third marriage, this was the first time that June had changed her stage name. So now she was going by June Carter Cash. Mm. But, I mean, he's more famous. <laughs> I mean, he's not more famous than her, but yeah. I feel like... It rings. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like if she went by June Carter Nix, yeah. June Carter Smith, mm-hmm. this won't have been the same. Yeah. Um, June Carter Cash sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a nice ring. Um, and their son, John Carter Cash, writes in his book that apparently his older sisters, uh, you know, June's daughters, they had said that before they lived with Johnny, June was really strict was really strict about neatness and chores. Mm. But then once they 
became a family all those chores went away and they were really spoiled like they never had a single chore they had a lot of help um they had like chefs and housekeepers and like they just lived a life of luxury oh my god Mm -hmm. what makes sense i mean they had a lot of money but um it's weird she just gave up on being strict though i know yeah she didn't care anymore Then in 1961, the Johnny Cash show premiered, which was a variety show on ABC featuring Johnny and often June along with other musicians Mm. and um, especially the Carter sisters were on there a lot and the show aired until 1971. Oh. So I feel like that made them kind of like a household, like, I mean, they were obviously super famous, but like... They came into your house. Yeah, they were in your living room. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they combined had six total daughters together. Wow. Four from Johnny and two from June. So many daughters. Mm-hmm. But they really <laughs> wanted a son. So they tried for a year and a half to get pregnant. Then they finally welcomed their only son and only child together, a baby boy named John Carter Cash on March 7th, 1970. John Carter Cash. Mm-hmm. And that night... Johnny opened a show for the Johnny Cash show by saying, Hello, I'm Johnny <laughs> Carter Cash's daddy. Oh, that's cute. That is cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most of my information that I have for this episode, I get from a book written by John Carter Cash, which is interesting because wow. it's like interesting to see a child's perspective. Yeah. It's called uh, Anchored in Love, and he really wrote it about his mom but obviously it's like a big part of that is his mom's relationship with his dad yeah um and so it's really cool to see his perception like of his parents marriage there's a picture of june on the cover mm-hmm. yeah and there's Aww. a lot of pictures in the book as well of her and them together like there's a picture of him as a baby in a guitar case i Sorry, guys, you can't see. Um, I know. So, and then he said in the book about those early years, he says, their relationship at that point was as good as it had ever been, and their careers were soaring. The world was their stage. It was in this life that I was born, the seemingly perfect life. When the story of John and June Carter Cash have been told in brief, this is the happy ending they they had. This is the happy ending. They had a son, and they all lived happily ever after. That seems to be the unspoken message of the film Walk the Line. Of course, that's not true. In fact, it's far from true. But through all the years ahead, the successes and failures, triumphs and heartache, their love lasted. Mm. So those first like seven years of John Carter Cash's life, they were really idyllic. Like they were on the road a lot. They were really close-knit family. Mm. He even slept in his parents' bedroom with them. Uh, everywhere that they went um i did hear okay i read a rumor online (laughs) that johnny allegedly had an affair during this time with june's sister anita and that like anita got pregnant with his baby but i don't think that's true at all like it's crazy like people would know more about that where'd you read that that journalist that i keep talking about but i feel like that's kind of said that the cave was flooded yeah i feel like that's like too crazy (laughs) and like it was on the inquirer but like i don't think that's I feel like people would talk about that if that was true. That's very scandalous. That's yeah. something I would do on The Sims for sure. I know, yeah. I don't think that's true. Um, 
So, yeah, June and John were both big spenders. They were a little bit materialistic. Uh-oh. Um, John Carter Cash remembered in the book a time when uh, June had picked up a purse at a store without looking at the price tag. And then the cashier said, that will be $12,000. And June didn't even blink. She just said, I'll be paying with my American Express. Like, they just kind of bought whatever they oh wanted. Oh, my goodness. I think they both had... This impl- in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. $12,000 on a purse. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's insane today. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they worried about money whatsoever. Um, they owned a lot of property. They had a house in Port Ritchie, Florida. A lake house in Hender- Hendersonville, Tennessee. Hmm. Um, an apartment in New York City, an apartment nice. in Ashbury Park, New Jersey, wow. a farm in Bonacqua, Tennessee, and an estate in Jamaica called wow. Cinnamon Hill, which they spent a lot of time. Is it Hendersonville, Tennessee, or is it is that Virginia, actually? Shusepa. Or is it North Carolina? It might be North Carolina, actually. I'm not really too sure. That's okay. Oh, it's Tennessee, yeah. I think they also had a house in Virginia, though, so I wouldn't even list that. Wow, that's a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. But so then things started to sour in about 1977. Johnny relapsed into his drug addiction. No. Which apparently led to him cheating a lot, but I couldn't find anything Mm. specific about, like, who he really cheated with. I think he just had, like, a lot of one-night stands. No. Yeah. Johnny, no. Uh-huh. And little John said in the book, Dad was mostly sober for the first seven years of my life. And when he was sober, he was a faithful, devoted husband and a creative and inspiring father. But the addiction was not something Dad would ever be, not in this life. And when his addiction was mm. in control of him, he became a different person entirely. Hmm. And yeah, really lacked that self-control. Um, and little John says that his parents would fight a lot, like all the time. Mm. And he lived in constant fear that they would get divorced and said that he would often run into the middle of the room when they were fighting with each other and um, that he would burst into tears to get them to stop. Mm. He said that like Johnny never laid a hand on June, but like one time he did like, like he would uh, raise his fist as if he was going to but (laughs) he never did (laughs) i don't know why i'm laughing just because mel just acted out yeah but he was like he was like the one thing i know for sure like he never did hit her but like it would seem like he would but oh well that's good i mean john carter cash probably would know yeah better than anybody yeah but yeah he he was really scared that his parents would get divorced which is a common thing for little kids to fear and in 1979, June actually really did consider leaving Johnny and spent time away in London with her daughter, Carlene, while she tried to come up with a plan to leave him. Carlene. Um, yeah. And then that <laughs> year, Johnny and June went on vacation with little John to their home in Jamaica for spring break. And mm. during that time, they were arguing a lot to the point where Johnny actually asked little John to leave the room. Mm. and little john was so scared he's like this is it like my parents are gonna get divorced like Mm. this is like when it's gonna happen and then they called him back into the room and they told him that they were gonna get remarried wow (laughs) and renew their vows and he was like what (laughs) (laughs) um he said i never knew what my father said to 
my mother that day that brought her back to him so utterly and steadfastly but it was as if they had just fallen in love for the first time whatever he said and did it was pure enchantment mom had forgiven him without reservation and their love for each other became stronger than ever wow but i do think around this time johnny went to rehab so that's probably what made him mm. win her back hmm. and he got clean again which is nice and then in 1981, Johnny and June and Little John, along with some of their friends, like his good friend, Little John's like uh, school friend, I think they were like 12 years old mm. at the time, they all went on vacation to Jamaica for Christmas. And they usually hired security for their home when they were down there, but they just skipped out on it this time. They were like, oh, we're fine. Like they had this like very like false sense of security, mm. which wasn't good because as they were praying at the dinner table, this voice broke out and said someone is going to die here tonight what uh-huh and they looked at the door and there were three <gasps> men with ski masks on standing in the doorway oh my god mm-hmm. one had a hatchet another one had a what? dagger and another one had a pistol oh my god and the one with the pistol was like raising it in the air oh my yeah and like they're all just having this like christmas dinner like it was really scary and they grabbed little john's friend named doug doug is this 12 year old boy oh my gosh and they wait so the those men grabbed him? yeah oh. yeah the men grabbed him and um they put the gun to his head what doug's poor doug and said tell him tell them if we do not get three million dollars within the next hour we are going to kill you <gasps> That's so scary. Yeah, and Johnny told them that they would give them anything that they wanted, but they they didn't have $3 million on them. Mm -hmm. And then they grabbed little John, their son, and kept (gasps) threatening them even more, saying, like, you have to give us some money right now. Oh, my God. Mm Mm-hmm. That's scary. Yeah, I feel like that was, like, then what happened? So then they (laughs) took each person in the house one by one around the whole house to make them give them anything that they had and john carter cash writes as we quickly obeyed i caught my father's eye never before had i seen such fear and helplessness from him i was trying to be strong but the look on his face tore deep into my heart i could tell dad feared we would not make it through this hellish night he said i do not remember who went first but dad later told me that he had never been so afraid as when they took mom he was terrified while she was gone but eventually she was returned seemingly unscathed and after four hours of these left with five thousand dollars in cash and all the jewelry in the house and they locked everybody in the basement with food oh my god Mm -hmm. that's nuts yeah (gasps) i know i can't believe that happened the one time they didn't have security i know seriously i feel like they never didn't have security ever again um and um they broke out of the basement by slamming a large coat rack through the door and the three men who had robbed them they were actually all killed upon resisting arrest wow and john carter said that he had felt really sad about that since the men just clearly were like struggling and like Mm. poor and but he was like obviously that shouldn't have yeah they They shouldn't have weapons on them yeah Yeah. they could have really killed them Mm -hmm. but he said that after that ordeal he noticed that his mom was wearing these diamond earrings that her mom had given to her and he said like mom like they might have killed you like why didn't you just give them to them mm-hmm. and she said some things are worth my life i guess 
What? She refused to give them her earrings. <laughs> I don't get that. I know. But that just, like, shows, like, the spunkiness of, like, her character. Yeah. Like, she would have died for those earrings. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that happened. I was shocked by that. It's interesting. In that book, that part, like, occurs... And then it's, like, broken up by, like, fun pictures. Like, <laughs> it's like I feel like that's not smart placing. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> he put a gun to my head and then... And then childhood pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shooting with her friends. Yeah. Shooting with her family. <laughs> <laughs> Poor dog. He was Aww. just there with his, like, friends, family. Wow, they're really lucky. Turned out okay. I know, seriously. That's one of those things that's, like... When you're, when you're in a moment of crisis, mm-hmm. you're like, it will pass. It might, I mean, that could have gone a lot worse, but like, like yeah. one time I had a bat in my apartment. And whenever <laughs> I'm having a stressful moment, I'm like, well, I'm not still stuck in the apartment with a bat. You know what I mean? Like, he, they're not still stuck in the basement with like burglars upstairs. So I can't believe you compared a bat to like murderers. <laughs> Well, you never know. <laughs> Bats can kill people. <laughs> no, they can't. But they have rabies. No, that it's obviously this is a lot scarier. <laughs> but that felt scary as well. Anyway, so yeah. Throughout the eighties their marriage was really rocky. Johnny oh, no. was still struggling with his addiction. And on the road, they usually booked separate hotel rooms just in case they needed their space from each other. Sometimes they would share a bed, but mm. usually slept separately. And little John, um, he would sometimes share a room with his dad. And he would just, like, watch over him and, like, count his breathing. And sometimes yeah. he would stop breathing and he'd have to, like, go get his mom. Like, it was really stressful. Mm. Um, Why would they have him be with Johnny? I don't get that. I think, like, usually he shared a room with his mom, but, like, yeah, I think, I don't know. I feel mm. like they maybe wanted him to, like... Well, he's older at this point, I guess. He was, like, a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Probably didn't want to be with his mom. Mm-hmm. And he describes his dad as being really emotionally absent during that time. He says, bright and clear back then, mom knew what she wanted. Most of all, she wanted a clean man in her life, a husband who could be counted on, her love for him would never change, but the truth was, Dad was slipping away. Um, it also says, as though it was as though he was asleep, but somehow still functioning, just barely. Hmm. Just sad. And also during this time period, besides Johnny, all three of John's children were also struggling with addiction. Carlene, oh, Rosie, and then eventually in the late 80s, early 90s, little John started experimenting with drugs and alcohol too he actually started when he was 14 started drinking no mm-hmm. and they all were alcoholics and drug addicts oh my gosh mm-hmm. so june was constantly looking out for all three of her kids and her husband and she was really worried about everybody around her and this sucks yeah like it was awful and like the stress made her physically sick and she even ended up in the hospital at one point because she was really struggling with depression from just worrying so much um little john said mom was the most forgiving person i had ever known but her repeated and unconditional forgiveness allowed those she loved the most to hurt her the deepest mom gave her whole heart and soul to her family and in some ways she enabled them in their addiction oh no mm-hmm. and the family is increasingly concerned about johnny who is just seriously like barely functioning 
and they're worried that he'll die if he doesn't get help so june stages an intervention for him and says that she will leave him if he doesn't get clean and so he goes to rehab in california and he does get clean and he stays that way for a few years but then he begins using drugs again oh no mm-hmm. and his son little john goes to that same rehab to get clean as well damn yeah that's upsetting mm-hmm. yeah it was really like a rough time and then in the 90s little john says in his book that he began to notice um unfortunately that his mom started to use drugs too june so she had been so strong for so long and was really looking out for everybody but now at this no. point she's like in her 60s and she's starting to have more chronic pain and she's prescribed narcotics and so she begins taking those to cope with her pain but then she starts taking them to cope with the mental pain too no i know it's really tough but he says earlier in the book that like he remembers like in those early years of his life like being on the road they would just have a pill for everything like if you have a headache here's a pill if you have allergies like his mom like had this like pill book and like it wasn't like an addiction thing but he's like I feel like her drug addiction came from that, like, mindset, which, like, was passed down from her mom, that, like, there's a pill for everything. So when Mm -hmm. she she was older, she started taking pills for pain. She just started taking them for emotional pain. Oh, man. That's sad. Mm -hmm. So he says, for so long, mom had obsessed over the addiction of her husband, her daughters, and her son. Next, she moved into denial. Then came the time, I believe, when she had simply had enough, when the struggle with addicts in her life overcame her strength and resolve. With no better way of describing it, I think the cumulative mental, physical, and emotional pain combined in such a way that drug use eventually seemed okay to her. Wow. And so, like, that was kind of her, like, giving in. Like, she stopped, like, really fighting John's drug addiction. Johnny's drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And, like, just kind of gave up in a way um which is sad um understandable though mm -hmm. which is why i feel like their marriage was a little bit easier in the end because Mm -hmm. like that wasn't as much of a conflict because they both were using um little john said i know he loved my mom oh so little john staged um an intervention for june Mm -hmm. uh, with the help of her closest friends but she actually, she was in too much denial and she refused help. She was like, I can quit anytime I want. And like, I guess she did for a little bit, but she kept using drugs um, hmm. till her death. And she was just a lot more emotionally absent and faded. And it was just sad. I mean, that's kind of the way it often is for people towards the end of their life sometimes, especially as yeah. they get older. Like, she just wasn't really the same, like, yeah. mom she had been before. Yeah. Even Even if you're not on drugs, I feel like, that just kind of happens sometimes Mm -hmm. because of illness or yeah i mean yeah a lot of people are on some kind of drug because they do have illnesses so Mm -hmm. yeah like she just wasn't she wasn't like quick anymore the way she had once been yeah um he said i know so little john didn't invite his father johnny to the intervention for his mom and he said i knew he loved my mom more than anything in the world he cherished her and she him they were business partners and lovers Uh, and encouragers in the past when one was weak the other had been strong but sadly as the years passed they became each other's alibi for addiction so yeah he didn't include johnny in the intervention but it was kind of fruitless like nothing really came of it you never really got help sadly Um, i feel like 
I get it. Like, she didn't really see herself the same way that she saw, like, mm-hmm. her kids and her husband. Um, especially so since, sad. you know, like, she had been taking care of them for so long. I feel like she just didn't really think that she could succumb to, like, the same problems. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a very common thing, too, I feel like, for older people, like, get prescribed these really strong medications for, like, arthritis yeah. and everything. And they become <sighs> addicted. But in the late 90s, 1997, Johnny had been diagnosed with something called Shy-Drager syndrome, which is a neurodegenerative disease that causes atrophy. And he was starting to be wheelchair bound. And he was also struggling a lot with type 2 diabetes and he was losing his eyesight. So he gave up performing and touring altogether. But during this time, June spent more time in the recording studio with her son, John, um, as well as Johnny as well, um, mm. and a few other collaborators. And she worked on her second album, which I didn't know she only had three albums. One came out after her death, like mm. three solo albums, just oh. her. Um, this album was called Press On. I think it was later nominated for a Grammy and won a Grammy. But it's really sweet. It includes this duet between her and johnny which this is you know later in their life mm-hmm. johnny sings i believe my steps are grown wearier each day still i've got another journey on my mind lures of this old world have ceased to make me want to stay and my one regret is leaving you behind and then she sings but if it proves to be his will that i am first to go and somehow i'm a feeling it will be when it comes your time to travel likewise, don't feel lost, for I will be the first one that you'll see. Oh, I know. Oh my god. Then they sing together, and I'll be waiting on the far side banks of Jordan, and I'll be sitting drawing pictures on the sand. And when I see you coming, I will rise up with the shout and come running through the shallow waters, reaching for your hand. That is beautiful. Mm-hmm really sweet and in 1999 june toured that album she did about 15 shows um that was her last time really performing and touring Mm. um her and johnny were becoming a lot weaker they both just had a lot of health problems as people you know do at that age Mm. they were in their 70s now um little john says that they were both in and out of the hospital at all times both taking care of each other when one was sick the other one was healthy Mm. and one one was weak the other one was strong they were always just like bringing each other like to the hospital they had their own (laughs) suite there actually at the top of the hospital and in June 2002, they were able to have this big family gathering together for a week. Um, however, things still weren't really great in the family at this point. June was very strained from her daughter, estranged from her daughter Carlene, Aww. who was still struggling with drugs, and her daughter Rosie. And Rosie was like deeply struggling. Like she had a lot of like anger issues too, and would like lash out a lot. Mm, it's pretty sad. In his book, Little John says, I keep calling him Little John because I feel like it's really confusing. I don't even <laughs> yeah, think they yeah, call yeah. him that. <laughs> he says that his parents were more in love during this time than they ever had been before. He said, although oh. their love never died during the decades together, there had been many times when they had nearly given up on their marriage. Now, however, their relationship was as unbreakable as hard and steel. The fires that they had been through strengthened them to the point that they were true as one, as much as a single being 
as any two can be most of all in those last few months together they were the greatest of friends Um, they did sleep in separate bedrooms but because june preferred to watch tv and johnny preferred to sleep without tv so they spent (laughs) pretty much every waking hour together the only time that they were apart was when they went to sleep i don't think that really means anything i mean i don't think so either i'm a wicked light sleeper and i've always said that if i married someone that snored i would have a different bedroom <laughs> i think it's like healthy probably <laughs> to share a separate yeah like little distractions like can really interfere with your sleep and yeah that's a big one if one person so she like to keep the tv on all night mm-hmm. mm, yeah that would drive me crazy yeah i mean my parents definitely have like sleep issues as well like my dad goes to bed super super early like nine o'clock at <laughs> night but my mom likes to stay up and just like watch the news until like midnight mm-hmm. so like, yeah. that's often an issue for them yeah or like be on her phone late at night and he doesn't <laughs> like that <laughs> i know i feel like my dad stays up later way later than my mom mm-hmm. yeah and they also had a lot of health problems so like they would get up to the bathroom a lot at night and like yeah. that would uh just you know wake the other one up so um but june was still in the recording studio a lot at this time recording what would be her third album but johnny wasn't he was in the recording studio too like he would often help her with her Mm -hmm. album and like vice versa they did a lot of like recording like a lot of their recordings at this time i think were re-recording old songs or Mm. songs from like other people and Mm -hmm. um they just they had their they lived in like this cabin and they had this like recording studio in the cabin Mm -hmm. but her doctors became really concerned with um her heart she was having heart failure uh, little John said in his book that she was like eating like a really high fat diet and actually weighed like 200 pounds really at the end of her life I don't like but then I saw pictures of her I was like she doesn't look like she is <laughs> but like I guess like she was like not really taking care of herself mm. and yeah she had heart problems and so they recommended that she have this surgery um to replace a valve in her heart um and the surgery went well but unfortunately she then went into cardiac arrest mm. and she needed cpr for about 15 minutes <gasps> and then she was put on life support no. for about a day or two and johnny was beside himself mm. he he like really believed that she would wake up like she would blink or something and he'd be like no she's waking up but like that was just like involuntary movement mm. Um, and according to little John, he leaned over her in the hospital bed and he started crying and he said, baby, baby, June, I love you. You're going to be fine. I love you, baby. That's so cute. Mm -hmm. I know. Reminds me of Edward (laughs) breaking Dawn. No, it's sad though. It's really sad. (laughs) That's bad for me to compare it to breaking Dawn. But that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Um, there was... Little John says, there was such a sadness on dad's face, such desperation in his eyes, as he begged her gently to come back to him. It was the hardest thing he had experienced since his brother's Jack de- Jack's death in 1944. He rocked mm. gently back and forth, talking to her in fervent tones. Mm. Um, however, the doctors declared that she was brain dead and recommended that they take no. her off of life support. But what's so crazy is after they took her off life support... She continued to live for four days. Wow. So they were just, like, at the hospital for four days straight, like, waiting for her final moments. And, like, it just, like... Oh, my goodness. Each day kept passing. But then she finally passed on May 15th, 2003, at age 73. 
Um, and John Johnny insisted that she, they have a big public funeral for her. And I guess she loved flowers so much that in the obituary they wrote, in lieu of donations, send flowers. Aww. Which is kind of funny. Um, and yeah, he was beside himself, Johnny. But um, just a few days later, he went back into the recording studio to really not distract him, but like to cope. Like he yeah. said that this was like music was the only way that he could process the loss of um, her death. And he gave an interview about three months later. Married for more than 30 years. What's the secret to that? How do, how do people stay together? We were together 40 years. Oh, we, yeah. we worked on the road together yeah. since 1963. Mm-hmm. And we got married in 68. Oh. And uh, the secret for a happy marriage, separate bathrooms. <laughs> really? That's it? I think so. <laughs> when June passed on, did she have any advice for you? Did she say, keep going, keep making music or? oh she always said that yeah. oh yeah she she was my great encourager she was my biggest critic too yeah. if, if she didn't like something that that i did she told me about it in a hot minute <laughs> i imagine it must be to, to be married so long and then to lose someone it's i imagine people would sometimes just want to stop and say you know because spouses sometimes just follow each other but you're still going ready to go it's where do, you, where do you get the, the energy? The she told me in the hospital, said, go to work. I said, what are you talking about? She said, don't worry about me. Go to work. Oh. And, and at the funeral, I could almost hear her saying, go to work. Three days after the funeral, everybody said, you're crazy. But three days after the funeral, I was in the studio. Really? Yeah. Oh, and I stayed in the studio for two weeks. And uh, it was great therapy for me. And I think I accomplished more in that couple of weeks than in, the, in wow. most of the other year combined. Wow. Oh, that's cute. Go to work. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sad, though, that the inner I don't know the guy's name. I should know. But, like, um, he was like, you know, spouses usually follow each other. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I could tell he felt awkward about that. I know. Johnny <laughs> was distraught, though. Like, mm-hmm. that was a good escape for him. But he was really growing weaker oh, and weaker. Devastating. Yeah. Um, you know, his wife of, when they get married, like, 1960-something. You know, over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, yeah, it was just really sad. And then just four months later in September... He was hospitalized due to complications from his diabetes, and he died on September 12th, 2003, less than four months after June had died. So he did follow her. I feel like yeah. the fact that he died so soon after is, like, one thing that, like, people really, yeah, you know, like, attribute to them being soulmates is that because they died, like, you know, really close together. That's supposedly a real thing. Mm-hmm. And apparently happens more often with men. Yes. They do die kind of of a broken heart. Yeah. I yeah. mean, to lose your spouse would really raise your stress levels and, do, you know, wreck your body. Mm. And if you already yeah. have health issues, it kind of makes sense that you would literally die from it. Yeah, especially you since know? they're both taking care of each other. He yeah. no longer had her to lean on but also i've heard that women have an easier not easier time but like they are not 
stronger i don't know what's the word but like they they're better at coping after the loss of a husband Mm -hmm. than men are at that age yeah when a man loses his wife there could be many reasons why Mm -hmm. i mean women in general live longer anyway yeah usually not in this case but i feel like when my grandfather died uh I never, I like, I regret thinking, like, I never stopped to think, like, that's so hard for my grandmother, like, at the time, like, it just Mm. seems like this is, like, a new normal now, like, now my grandmother is just, like, Mm. the grandparent that we have, like, I never thought, like, that must have been really hard, you know? Yeah, I mean, from my, when did that happen? 2006, yeah, I was, like, 10, (laughs) yeah. You know, I mean, I think I was young when my grandparents lost their spouses Mm -hmm. so i probably didn't think about it much too but yeah it's really sad it's devastating Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah i i disagree with you mel i still think it's a great love story i know there was like a lot of drugs and there was infidelity and stuff but the fact that they stuck together and came through it all and were still super in love in the last years of their life and we're still each other's best friends i mean that's that's true beautiful I mean, he could have been just, like, out. Both of them could just have been floating from one person to the next, like, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that's they, true. they stuck together, and that's nice, and I think that matters. Yeah, I think so, too. No, I think they, like, that's the thing. Like, they genuinely really loved each other. I think, I think what, like, I was getting, struggling with is, like, it's just sad that, like, that love wasn't, like, as consistent or, like, it just as much as they loved each other they couldn't really be happy for as long as they were together you know mm-hmm. like for so much of that it was like turmoil yeah and it's it's really sweet that they had each other in the end and like that that endured and they had a friendship but mm-hmm. you know like i i feel like if you were like one of june's friends or something you'd be like leave this guy like this is you know awful so <laughs> Like, she had to be very, very forgiving of Mm -hmm. him. Um, And not a lot of people could be. I know. It's, I think it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a really, I think it's a beautiful love story that, like, they had each other. But I feel like, I mean, I think that's a reality for, like, love, though, is that, like, it does often have sacrifices and, like, it's, like, not perfect. Like, you're gonna have to be forgiving. Yeah. You can't. I mean, <laughs> I think it is really hard. I think all of couples fight mm-hmm. when they're married. And mm-hmm. probably everybody thinks at least once about ending it. And I think it's really hard, yeah. Mm. And I also think that something like drug addiction or depression or whatever was the root issue of all that. Yeah, like, exactly. You can't really expect that a love is going to be so amazing that it cures that for you yeah you know? no yeah that's true it is sad that she had to go through all of that i think like for me it's like what would be really hard is like the infidelity yeah like because no. i feel like that would i would think that maybe that would be a deal breaker but at the same time like i feel like the infidelity was a symptom of his drug addiction which was yeah. a symptom of his depression so it's like she really saw him like for who he was and like yeah. just accepted him I mean, she knew from the very beginning he was a cheater. Because yeah, exactly. He was cheating on his wife with her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, but it's so interesting because like just the fact that he cheated on June, like I don't think he like loved her any less. Yeah. But it's like hard to 
it's like so much more nuanced and like someone cheats their bad you know i know i mean i don't know what happened between them maybe he was deeply sorry and professed his love for her and i i don't know we don't know what happened mm-hmm. i do believe that people can change i hope they can change it is disappointing like i hate cheating but <laughs> yeah. I, hate, I hate cheating i wouldn't do that no it, it's terrible but i don't know we don't know what happened no no like i really don't know the specifics of like his infidelity mm-hmm. i think what's just sad to me is like the healthiest years in their relationship were probably the years when they were like least healthy in like their physical bodies like mm. i mean i think they were still both like doing drugs like at the very end but in a medicinal way where they were like both just like very sick and so like obviously he wasn't like cheating on her and going out and like doing all these crazy wild things at that point in their life so like that's really when they were like closest is when they were both like elderly and like at home and just like watching tv those those seven years of little john's oh yeah that's true yeah they first got married and that's true yeah they did was he cheating during that no he was faithful so they did have that time too together Yeah, it was just, it was, like, making me sad. Like, they didn't really get to experience, like, that much time together that, like, wasn't plagued by that. But it it's sweet how, like, enduring their love was. And then it the, is sweet. The last thing that I really have is in 2011, um, John Carter Cash published love letters that Johnny had written to June during their marriage. And this really? is a really sweet one from 1994 uh johnny wrote it to june for her birthday he says happy birthday princess we get old and get used to each other we think alike we read each other's minds we know that what the other wants without asking sometimes we irritate each other a little bit maybe sometimes take each other for granted but once in a while Mm -hmm. like today i meditate on it and realize how lucky i am to share life with the greatest woman i ever met you still fascinate me and inspire me you influence me for the better. You're the object of my desire, the number one earthly reason for my existence. I love you very much. Happy birthday, Princess John. Aww. Yeah, it's really sweet. <laughs> that is sweet. <laughs> I love the letters. Yeah, there's this other one. He says, Hey, June, this is. <laughs> hey, June. Hey, June, this is really nice, June. You've got a way with words, and I away with them as well. <laughs> this fire and excitement may be gone now that we don't go out there and sing them anymore, but the ring of fire still burns around you and keep k- keeping your love hotter than pepper sprout <laughs> love jonica i'm having trouble reading his handwriting but i think that's what it says <laughs> another one june valentine's is fine but you being mine is more fine thanks john <laughs> february thanks. 14th <laughs> 1987 that's cute mm-hmm. uh, it does remind me of the john lennon yoko one that you know, oh, John Lennon did cheat on Yoko, and mm. there was a lot of fucked up stuff, but then it does seem like they still loved each other more than anyone, and mm-hmm. were together in their last days, and... <laughs> yeah, they, like, I have no doubt that these two, like, really loved each other. I don't know, it's just, it's just sad, because it's, like, 
is it possible to have a love story where that like you don't have to like go through like that kind of hell that they went through together because i feel like a lot of (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't i don't think everyone goes through that kind of hell Mm -hmm. like drug addiction but i do think all relationships probably do have hard times yeah i i do i mean that's what everybody says yeah marriage that's and true you gotta decide what's work. more important to you do you want to stay with someone forever or and tough through it or do you want to break up you know yeah. and that's the decision people have to make yeah oh another <laughs> really sad thing too is um a month after johnny passed away actually june's daughter rosie her middle daughter or middle child had passed away from oh, accidental carbon monoxide poisoning what i think her and her boyfriend were like in a bus what and um that's crazy yeah and they had died from like the exhaustion a bus yeah i think like it was a school bus that like what they were in were think, other people on it no it was like just the oh. two of them she was like found dead which is really Jeez. sad so the three of them were all buried together in um <sighs> a garden in hendersville Tennessee. that's sad yeah that is that is i don't know in a weird way very sweet to me that they died not the daughter but mm-hmm. that johnny and june died so close together yeah <sighs> i know that's they really nice. didn't have to be apart for that long but yeah that's the story of johnny and june wow thank you mel for telling the story it was way i can't believe it was like that well now it's an hour and a half okay (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty normal we have some bathroom breaks to cut out yeah that's true yeah it probably will be less um odds that they get back together i think in heaven 100 (laughs) percent together in heaven yeah and oh my gosh in that interview that was like his last interview he literally said my time on earth is ending yeah he like knew he was gonna die and he said uh, that he just hopes that he goes to heaven Mm. and yeah they were really big yeah believers in faith like that's something that they really shared together Mm -hmm. Um, which i didn't even realize how big that was to them um but so i hope they are in heaven together I mean, yeah, I guess he didn't go on to have, like, another wife after that. No, like, yeah, true. That would be confusing. <laughs> that would be tough. <laughs> so that didn't happen this <laughs> time. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we queue up teas next week? Oh, yeah. Next week's... If you guys guess it, let us know. Relationship. What is next week's couple? Oh, it's about a famous guy in history a famous guy <laughs> a, a famous guy in history probably you guys know as being smart like it's someone who like people, what's his profession a scientist okay he's a scientist who's like a genius scientist okay i feel like that's obvious <laughs> basically his love life a little bit of incest in there what <laughs> incest i don't even know what you just said <laughs> should we cut that out what did you say yeah incest with some incest in there cousin cousin oh. incest. it's about a smart scientist that you guys know in history and it's about his love life uh his marriage and yeah people like don't talk about this guy like he 
people talk about in him, this way in this way people talk about him as you know being smart and mm-hmm. theories they don't talk about him just kind of being a little fuck boy so oh, that's wow. what we're gonna talk about <laughs> wow mm-hmm. it could be it could be several people it could be many people yeah maybe like there's yeah. one obvious guy Every week we do a little question on our Instagram asking people to guess what the next couple is. Yeah. And if you guys have an inkling, you think you know who this is, go guess it. Mm-hmm. We usually ask every Monday night. Yeah. Or Monday during the day at some point. I have to make the one for this one this mm. week. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's going to get it. I don't know. It, oh, well, this is in the future, so I'll say it's for the Zoe and Ben one. Mm, yeah. I'm always impressed by people who do get it. I know. The Mariah and Eminem one, everybody got that. Yeah, that shocked me. I couldn't believe it. And then nobody, I feel like only one person guessed who was before that. Mila and Ashton. Oh, yeah. I was so, so surprised. one person guessed that one. Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sometimes they are kind of hard. They are tricky. Yeah. I love, I love the guessing. Mm-hmm. I wish that we could give people prizes for like guessing first. But guys, um, maybe if this podcast becomes bigger, we can give mm-hmm. out prizes. Maybe we can retroactively Wait, so give excited. out <laughs> Yeah, that'd be so exciting. We can't, give, we can't do that now. But um, yeah, write, write a review if you like this podcast. Tell your cousins mm-hmm. or whoever that you like the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Shall I come back again? Tell me.